I'm going to read verses 1 through verse 7. I'm going to read down through seven verses before I deal with them on an individual basis here. But if you look at Romans 13, starting with verse 1, going down through verse 7, it says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. And this is speaking of civil authority powers. He's talking about law and order, and he's referring to that. He goes on to say in verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil, but to the evil. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Then he goes on to say, verse 4, For he, that is the person who is in authority, uh, in any level of authority, civil authority, whether it's to be a police officer, whether it's be a judge, whether it's the mayor, whether it's the governor, whether it's the senator, the president, whoever the person might be. It goes on to say, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. Praise the Lord. Notice the word that says he is a minister of God. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God. This is repeated now. That is a person who is a, a civil authority figure. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, in other words, that you could be judged by what you do evil because of, uh, of their positions. He says, but not only for, uh, needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake that we might do those things, of course, that is pleasing to God. Verse 6, for this cause pay ye tribute, that's taxes, also, for they are God's ministers. This again refers to those officials that are in political position, positions and who are overseers of us in that respect. Uh, it says, goes ahead to say, for they are ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Then it says in verse 7, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to, to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And so what Paul lays out here in these first seven verses is that we are to respect authority. I remember years ago, uh, we were, I was traveling with a friend of mine, and uh, he's a very, uh, he was a, in fact, he was Brother Canal, our district superintendent uh, in Florida for years. Very smart man, very wise man. And uh, we traveled together and, and so forth. And we got stopped by the police highway patrolman. I guess we were speeding or did something wrong. I can't remember the details. But anyhow, that highway patrolman just got all over Brother Canal. Now, this man's district superintendent. You know, he's overseer of a lot of ministers in the state of Florida. You know what he was doing? He was saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, no, yes, sir, yes, sir. Officer, I'll do exactly that, whatever you say. And he was just so submissive to that highway patrolman, even though he was a very influential person in the Pentecostal ranks. 
And I listened to that and everything. And so later I said, well, I said, you certainly agreed with everything you said. I said, you didn't have no, no comeback with him. He said, Brother Myers, he's your judge. And I learned something from him with this. He said, when a police officer stops you, he's not only your police officer, he's your judge. He's going to determine whether you're going to pay a fine or not. He's going to determine whether you go to jail or not. He's going to determine a lot of things. So the best thing to do is just to get along with him, you know. And so, you know, uh, I never will forget that. I've always kept that in the back of my mind and uh, always listened to those men who are trying to keep order and keep the, the things of the law. Uh, I, was, I turned the right-hand corner up here, red light, and I, I stopped and turned. But I didn't see a man crossing there in a wheelchair, going across in a wheelchair. And I stopped real quick, and he went on across, and then I moved on around. Well, a policeman happened to be on the far other corner, and he pulled me over. I said, officer, you're right. I was dead wrong. I said, I'm so glad that I saw the guy and everything. He said, just be careful. That's all he said to him, just be careful. And that was it. But I guess what I'm trying to say here is that it's so important for us to respect the authority that's over us. Now, if you have a problem with me saying all of that, I, I take you back to the Word of God here. It's all in the Word. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of these things here. Look at the very first verse. It said, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Higher powers is those civil powers that we're talking about. And he said, let every soul be subject. Let me give you another verse for it. This is Paul talking in Romans. Let me take you over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 for a moment. And this is Peter talking now. Remember, Paul and Peter were the, probably the two most effective apostles of all the apostles, even of all the 12. And so here's what Peter says in his epistle, 1 Peter Chapter uh, 2, verse 13, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, verse 14, unto governors as unto them that are sent by him, that is by the king, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. It says, verse 15, for this, for so is the will of God, for, so is the will of God that with well-doing we may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Verse 16, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. And verse 17, he winds, concludes, concludes here by saying, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Praise the Lord. Just all wrapped up in that fashion. So what I'm simply doing here is showing you where that Peter confirms the same thing that Paul talked about over here in Romans 12. Uh, just a reference to Titus. This is the third. Mouth, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. I'll give you another one here. This is Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Titus 3, 1. He says, put them in the mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And so there is a scripture here telling us that we are to be kind and, and always respect authority and be gentle and good to everybody that we come in, power, in contact with. Now I'm going back to Romans here, chapter 13. If you look with me in that first verse again, 
let every soul be subject to higher powers, for there is no power but of God. He says, there is no power but of God. In other words, all authority is basically, basically from the Lord, from the Lord. There is a place in Matthew chapter, I won't, I won't read the scriptures, I'll refer to it only, where uh, Jesus uh, fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and, and Satan came to him afterwards and tempted him. And uh, Satan tried to get him to bow down to him and to cast himself down, different things like that. And then finally Satan says this to Jesus at the end of his fast. He tempted him three times. The third tempt was this. He said, bow down to me. Satan said that to Jesus Christ. Bow down to me and I will give thee all of the powers of the world, all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give those to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, you know, and so forth. And uh, thou shalt not, you know, serve the Lord. Thou, thou shalt serve God only and not anybody else. But what Jesus knew was that Satan does not have the powers of all the empires and nations and worlds. There may be evil and wickedness in all of them, and eventually, I guess they all get that way. But the Lord allows that to exist. He allows it to exist. And all power ultimately is of whatever it is because God allows it to be and he gives it. Praise God. And uh, when you read over in the book of, of, uh, of uh, Daniel and you read about those empires, you read where Daniel uh, reads about it and the Lord spoke to Daniel and said, Daniel, all of these empires, all of these empires, I have given the power to all of these kings. Four times in the book of Daniel, the Lord tells Daniel, all empires, all powers, all authority, I have given all of that power and all that authority. Praise God. Let me show you one here in St. John, if I may. This is uh, where Jesus was being, on, he was on trial. And this is St. John chapter 19, verse 10. I'm speaking here on the simple subject here that all powers are of God. And it says here in John 19, 10, Then saith Pilate unto Jesus, Speaketh thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus was just really, you know, he just told him, you know, he said, uh, he said some pretty sharp things, not sharp things, but he just talked back to him. Pilate got real, real antsy with God, with Jesus rather. In verse 11, Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. And that's where all power comes from. He says, therefore, he that delivereth me into thy, unto thee is, has the greater sin, speaking of those Jews that delivered them, him to him. The point I'm bringing out to you here is that all power is from God above. And John brings that out in his scriptures. So when we read these verses over here in Romans where it says that all the higher, higher powers, they are the powers that be, they are come from God. The powers that be are ordained of the Lord, ordained of God. God has ordained them. So what Paul is trying to say, because all power is granted from God to whoever, to whoever. Now I've read and studied all of these Roman emperors, you know, all these, their lives, how they lived. They were the most wicked, filthy, abominable men you have ever heard of, read about in your life. Those Roman emperors that lived in the early days, you know, they had persecution against the Christians. 
you know, these men were, uh, they were, I mean, they were horrible. Not, I, not every single one of them were really horrible, but many of so many of them were. And yet God allowed them to rule that segment of time in that Roman Empire. You said, why, Brother Myers? Because the Lord in his divine wisdom, praise the Lord, allows it to transpire, allows it to happen for his own glory, for his own will that it might be fulfilled and to bring about all the things that he brings about the way he does. Praise God. So you have to understand God is in, is in total control and authority of all things. I'm going to read verse 2 here, if you would, with me. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, that's talking about us now as Christians, whoever resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, since they are ordained of God in verse 1. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. In other words, you'll be judged if you resist the authority, then you're judged by the authority. Praise God. And so that's, that's the scriptures. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to, do, to, to good works. Rulers do not bring terror to good works, but to evil. Those who are evil, that is where the terror comes to them. Will thou then not be afraid of the power? If you're afraid of it, then it says, do that which is good. In other words, don't do that which is wrong so that you have to worry about it. Praise God. And thou shalt have praise of the same. Now, and he goes on here to talk about, for he, he is the minister of God to do the do good. Three times it mentions in here that these people who are in positions of authority are ministers of God. Now, that rocks our boat, some of us. We think, no, no, a minister is a man that stands behind the pulpit, you know. It ministers us the word of God. No, no, it says they are ministers of God as well because they, they, they minister the powers that be and the authority that they have that God has granted to the human race. Praise God. So uh, God has set all this in order that we might be civil and obedient people. Anytime in history you look back where there is revolution, there is chaos, there is terror, there is many people that die, there is a devastating effect of it, anywhere you look at it. I've read that Bolshevik Revolution, I've read all about it, World War I, Lenin and, and uh, you know, and, and, and all those uh, people that created the revolution that went against the Tsar, 1914, started 1914, and uh, Bolsheviks, and it was communism, overthrew the Bolsheviks, Bolsheviks, communists, communists worked together, and then when they, they got into a position, the communists overthrew the Bolsheviks. These were two revolutionary groups that overthrew the Tsar and so forth. And, uh, and everything they did was just horrible. I mean, they, they finally conquered Russia, and when they finally did, they began to gobble up all of those other nations around them. And uh, one of the things that they did, they forbid the people to have guns. No more guns, no more, they made all the people turn in their guns, turn in all their bullets as well. Uh, there's a movie that they made here sometime back called The Enemy at the Gate, and it was about a boy that grew up, his grandfather never turned in his gun, never turned in his bullets. And uh, the boy grew up in that home out on a farm, and he never would, he never would let that boy shoot something and miss. He said, we've only got a few bullets, we've got to make everyone up count so when he'd shoot a rabbit, or he'd shoot an animal or something that had to, had to last. So I'm just pointing out to you here that that whole story 
actually was based on historical facts where that the revolution in Russia came about by people standing up and saying, uh, we want all people to be common, everybody on the same level and everything, and then communism took over and there was, a, there, was a, there was a mass slaughter of people. You well know the story, I don't mean to tell you that. The same thing happened in France, you know, uh, they, when they had the, the tale of two cities tells the story of that. And there's many, many stories about this. I was telling about this, uh, about this guy that the guns taken away and there was the bullets were taken away and the people had nothing to defend themselves. And this guy, because he had, he had that one gun and a few bullets, he learned to become a marksman so that when World War II came and the Germans came, he was the greatest marksman that Russia had because he could hit a target way off uh, without scopes. And if he did have a scope, he was absolutely deadly. I'm only pointing that out to say that this is why they had the story about it. It was a, turned out to be a great marksman because he was very limited on how many bullets and so forth he could use. But all of these things here tells us about the history of this, these revolutions. The man, did you know the man that invented the guillotine died at the guillotine? Yeah, he, he invented it and he died on the guillotine. The guillotine was a revolution of France, you know. And Napoleon, of course, became the emperor of France on the heels of that revolution that happened. Uh, Henry the 16th, King Henry the 16th was the, the king at the time. Henry the 14th, 15th, 16th, and finally Henry the 16th, he was married to Marie Antoinette. You folks know all that history. I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, it was just a horrible, terrible time of that revolution. But these things bring about, and so the Bible teaches us to be subject to the powers that be. And everybody say praise the Lord with me. And I think God would have us to do that. And uh, don't uh, resist the authority. Always be subject to these things. And uh, the Lord goes on to say here in one place, I'm going to refer to chapter, verse 6 rather, 6 and 7. Look with me in these verses. For this cause pay, the, pay you tribute also. Pay you tribute. Tributes, taxes. And he goes on to say here, for they are God's ministers and rendering uh, continually upon this very thing. Verse seven, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor, and so forth. So he says, pay this tribute, this is taxes. And for anyone who likes to say, uh, I don't believe in taxes, it's here to stay. (laughs) 1912, they introduced it, amen. We've been paying taxes ever since. So we, we have tax, the tax system in America. You've got to pay personal income tax. And uh, it's, it's a lawful thing to try to get out of paying as much taxes as you possibly can. And if you take a big loss in some things, you're eligible to get a big cut or reduction in your taxes and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I won't get into all the details there, but don't try to get away with not paying taxes, praise God. And uh, I have a friend that hadn't paid taxes for, I don't know, four or five years. They just quit paying taxes. Now they're in deep trouble with the government, you know, and everything, and owe the government a lot of money, and, they, and just over their head, and they don't know if they'll ever get out of it in their lifetime, you know, that kind of a thing. You don't want to get there. So what I'm trying to say here is when the Bible teaches us these things, let's be obedient there and follow those things and pay taxes. Uh, would you look with me for a moment in Luke 20? Look, let me show you something. 
Luke 20. Is this all right that we're talking about all this? Amen. All right. Let's look at Luke 20. In the, it's in the Bible. Uh, this is uh, the 22nd verse. That's, this was these Pharisees and Sadducees that were always trying to trip Jesus up. And one of them came to him and said, is it lawful? This is 2022 of Luke. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? And the reason that this was asked Jesus was there are many Jews that felt like that the Jews should not have to pay taxes to the Roman government. In other words, why should we pay taxes to them? And, uh, and so they, were, they, they, were about, they didn't like the idea. They did it, though, because they knew they had to. The sad part about it is the Roman government would hire Jews to collect the taxes for them. And these were called publicans, not republicans, but publicans. And they were called publicans, and they were hated by the Jews because they were Jews who gave in to the Romans and agreed to collect the, tithe, the taxes for them. Amen. Uh, Levi, who was also Matthew in the Bible, uh, he was one of the tax collectors. But when Jesus came along and said, come follow me, he left that whole thing, followed Jesus, and became a righteous man to serve the Lord. Uh, so were Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus up in the, little, the wee little man up in the tree? He was a tax collector and so forth. And so there were people like this that Jesus, Jesus came across and actually converted them, and they gave up this business of collecting taxes because if they collected so much money, then they kept a little bit back for themselves. So it was a selfish thing involved. So the Jews really hated him. So this is what one of these lawyers said to Jesus. Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no or not? As we would say today, verse 23, but he, Jesus, perceived their craftiness. I mean, verse 23 now here, Luke 20. He, he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, why tempt ye men? Show, be, show me a penny. A penny was a more valuable coin then than it is today. Show me a penny. Whose in image and superscription hath it? And they answered and said, Caesar's. It's got Caesar's image on it. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. And then they had a hard time, and they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. In other words, that's a pretty good answer. We don't know what to say to that one. So, in other words, he was saying, Go ahead and pay your taxes, you know, and don't, don't be uh, carried on about it so much and so forth. And then in addition to that, there's a place where... Uh, the place in Matthew, let me read this, Matthew 17, 24. Uh, when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, doth not your master pay tribute? That's taxes. And he said, yes. And when he was coming to the house, Peter pre-evented him saying. Now the word pre-event means that he, he knew what Peter was thinking. He knew what had transpired and he answered Peter before Peter could state his side of it. Peter was fixing to say, God, you know, uh, why have you paid taxes, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus knew all that. So he pre-evented Peter's statement. That's, what, that's the same phrase. It's called prevent here, but it's the old English way of saying prevent and pre-event was the same thing. That was spelled the same way, but two different meanings. That's where the word talks about uh, the, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be called to meet them in the air. 
and so shall we be with the Lord. It says that the dead, the, the alive in Christ shall not pre-event those which are dead. The dead rise first. We do not pre-event. In other words, the alive in Christ are not caught up first and then the dead. The dead are caught up first. So we do not pre-event the dead. Everybody with me on that? That's the word pre-event. It's found several places in the Bible in that fashion. That Jesus pre-evented him saying, what thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Now notice he says take of their own children or of strangers. Peter saith unto him, of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, then are the children free. He says, notwithstanding, Jesus said, okay. <laughs> In other words, we're free and everything, but notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thee to the sea and cast and hook and take up the fish that first cometh up. First one you catch. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. And so Peter, of course, did that, and the taxes were paid. <laughs> right? Don't you wish it was that easy? <laughs> Some of you say, wow, boy, Jesus took care of that one real. Hey, folks, can I just tell you that the Lord does take care of things in our lives? And I'm, and I'm trying to say here that if we will follow the leading of the Lord and do it God's way, God will keep his hand on us and he will help us. He will help us. I, I, you, you can't begin to think of all the ways that God, you know, I have figured out ways God could do something. I have figured it all out. I said, God, if you did it this way, man, you could kill two birds with one stone. That's the way I'm thinking, you know. The Lord does it, does it a different way and kills 10 birds with one stone. I mean, he does, I mean, he does it, you know, he, he has so much of a superior way than what we think. Sometimes we want to try to help God out. And the best thing we can do, just say, God, do it your way. Just, you know, God, we need your help. And if we will just wait on the Lord and let God do it. God will make a way for us to do what is right. Always do it right, folks, and God will help you. I'm serious. God will help you if we'll always try to do it right. So we are commanded in the word of God to pay taxes. We're commanded the Lord to honor those who are in authority and to actually obey them, follow them, and so forth, and not to be sort of a revolutionarist, but to really do these things in, in the view of God. Now, I'm going to switch here. We're going to verse 8. Everybody still with me? I'm in Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Don't leave me now. <laughs> Don't leave me now, Lucille. All right, everybody with me? Praise the Lord, you with me? Praise God, you want to hear this one. Verse eight, owe no man anything. <laughs> How many of you are in debt? Don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. <laughs> How many are you in debt? Well, you owe somebody, somebody, right? Let me just say this, our whole system is based on, you know, credit and so forth. This has been that way from the beginning of time. People borrow money, people loan money. The Lord told us, I'll bless you so that you'll be the, the lender and not the borrower. The scriptures that also says that the, uh, the borrower is subject to the lender. The lender is master over the borrower. So having said all of that, we do know that that exists. It's better to be he that can lend and not he that has to borrow. However, that is the system that we have. I might just say this, 
If you borrowed money to buy an automobile, when that first payment comes due, that payment is due, you owe that. But not the rest of it, you just owe that one payment. And when the second payment comes due, you owe that. You understand what I'm saying? So in that sense of the word, the credit system that we have in America works. Uh, I've had people from foreign countries come to our church services, and we've got people from Columbia, South America, came, they preached for us, and beautiful people loved them to death, and we had so much fun with them. And we began to tell them about our credit system in America. They said, what? They said, you be, they give you that money, and then you do this, and then all you have to do is pay a little bit here? I said, never work in Columbia. <laughs> they'd take the car, and they'd be like this. They'd be gone, you know, everything. They laughed, and they said, wow, man, you guys really can't trust each other. You know? they, they were just amazed at our credit system, but America does have an amazing, amazing credit system compared to many parts of the world. But this is not referring to the credit system. I'm going to show you here what it means from the word of the Lord. Oh, no man, anything. And uh, I want you to look in Leviticus 19.13 with me for a moment. Go to Leviticus. This is under the law. And this is basically what it's talking about when it says, Oh, no man, anything. It says, verse 13, I'm reading here from Leviticus 19.13. It says, Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. If a man has done work for you, you owe him his salary. Amen. Don't let it stay with you. Don't let it abide with you all night. Don't even, when it's, if it's due today, you pay it today. I'll read you another verse of scripture that's found in Deuteronomy, very similar to that. And this is Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verses 14 and 15. It says this, thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, jumping to verse 15, at his day, everybody say with me, payday. At his day, thou shalt give him his hire, neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it. And these are verses, two verses in the Old Testament, saying that when a man has worked, he is worthy of his hire. Jesus even said that a laborer is worthy of his hire. I, uh, I had an uncle, I said had because he's passed away now. I had an uncle that was a plasterer, you know, old fashioned plasterer. But he became a contractor in plastering down in Miami. And he became a millionaire, became a millionaire, a, a plastering contractor. And everything, One, the, only, the only guy I ever knew that became a millionaire in the plastering business, but he did. And, uh, and so forth. He had a policy he lived by and that is that never, never, ever hold a working man's his money back. And he said it's in the word of God. A, work, a workman is worthy of his hire. He said, I may let the supply people wait for their money, but I'll never let a working man wait for his money. And I'm telling you, guys would easily work for him because they knew that Barney Davis would always pay, pay his bill, pay his hired men whenever they worked for him and so forth. But he believed it. So when it says... Oh, no man, anything is speaking here of not holding these things back on an individual. Another verse of scripture I give you here is one found in James. This is James chapter five, verse four. And it's talking about rich men who do those things. They hold back. And he, he's sort of getting onto the church and don't, 
don't honor these rich people that do this to you. He said, behold, the hire, the labor, laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is, which is of you kept back by fraud. You hold back on it and they uh, and, and crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. In other words, people who have worked for you and you've held back their money and they need that because they've got to live. They need it for substance and so forth. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? And, and the Bible teaches that emphatically. So when it says, owe no man anything, it means, you know, don't owe him anything in that sense of the word. If you owe him, pay him. If you said, I'll pay you so much, pay him. If you said, I'll do it on Saturday, do it on Saturday. Whatever it is, praise the Lord, make sure that you pay those of whom you owe. Everybody understand that with me? Praise God. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And these are some powerful verses here that we love one another. Uh, Jesus taught that. Did you know that? The Bible teaches us to love one another. Uh, let me show you in John here. I know that, uh, I think it's in John, John 13. John 13, 34. This is Jesus talking to his disciples just before he was to uh, be crucified. Uh, he said, I, a new commandment I give unto you. Notice that, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. And of course, as I have loved you is a big difference here because they may have loved each other and that was a command that was from even from older times. But love one another as I have loved you. In other words, you put your brother first. That's, that's a strong thing. I'm going to get into that just a moment here. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall, verse 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another. There's a difference between to another and for another. If you say love for another, it is from the heart. If you say love to another, it is love manifested. Right. Ma love manifested, and uh, it is an outward action towards somebody. Amen. You can say, oh, man, I, you know, my, I love you. You know, I just really, my heart loves you. I really go out to you. But never do anything for him or her. But if you do something for somebody, that's an outward manifestation of your love, and that's love to your brother. And that's what he's talking about here. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Praise the Lord. So I just thought I'd throw that in for free. That's Amen. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. <clears throat> now, I'm going back here to Romans chapter 13. And uh, then the Lord goes on to say here in this verse 8, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Fulfilled the law. In other words, love supersedes all those commandments and things they have in the Old Testament. And he goes on to say here, uh, verse 9, for this, and then he, he quotes now uh, five of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is chiefly comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
Amen. There's a fellow one time in the Bible, I won't read the scripture, but it's there. It's in two or three places in the, in the gospel books. A man came to Jesus one time and said, uh, you know, what's the greatest commandment? They tried to trap Jesus, always trying to trap him. What's the greatest commandment? They toyed with these things all the time. They'd say, what's the greatest commandment? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? They'd always talking about it. They asked Jesus. They came to him. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, the greatest commandment is this. It says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Heart here, mind here, soul, your innermost being, and strength is your physical being. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And okay. And then Jesus added this, and they didn't ask for this. He added it. He said, and the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy blinked his eyes, and he, he said, well, master, and these two commandments are all the law and the prophets. Everything in the Old Testament under Moses is all wrapped up in those two things. <clears throat> love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, thou art not far from the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> you're, you're there. You're there. Folks, that's what the kingdom of God, that's the church age. That's what it's all about is us having a love for God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you can't do anything else if you don't have that. That's the commandment. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. If you, if you love God, you're not going to take his name in vain, you know. If you love him, you're not going to worship something else, somebody, something else, some other creature, some other whatever, object. You're not going to worship anything else if you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if you have that love for him, that love for him, the, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost so that we can love our neighbor as ourselves. It's like the cross, vertical and horizontal. Jesus, we love God first. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. And if you love your neighbor as yourselves, the last of the Ten Commandments, and that's what is quoted here in Romans, you know, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness against your neighbor, don't covet what your neighbor has, on and on. All these things are listed right here because if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we will keep all of these commandments. Amen. And I'm going to move on here, verse 10. He said, love worketh no ill. This is Romans 13, 10. Where love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so that's where it all wraps up, folks. And the more you pray, the more love you have for God. And the more God, the love you have for God, the more love you have for your fellow man. Especially the brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to just tell, tell you this from my heart this morning. God bless you people. I am so proud of you people in this church. I, I see you coming to the needs of people and individuals and situations. And I'm just, I'm just amazed. And I know that when you do, God is going to bless you and honor you for it. I know that. But I see you do that over and over. And you have such a, a love for other people. You have a love for each other. And you don't know what that means for this old preacher to be in this pulpit and to see a, you people, praise the Lord, with that kind of a spirit. If we will maintain that kind of a spirit, that love of God in our hearts, and we've got to have it. It comes through the Holy Ghost. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, that love that's in us, praise God, will help us to get through a lot of things 
and it will help us to love brothers and sisters in the Lord, and we'll make it all the way if we do that. I'm going to finish reading out down to verse 12, and I'm going to close. It says here, and that knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. In other words, to wake up, it's, uh, it's time to really get aware. And he goes on to say in verse 12, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Praise God. And the Lord wants us, amen, to walk honestly. Verse 13, let us walk honestly as in the day and not in rioting, drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. But put ye on Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You can make provisions for the flesh, but not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Everybody with me on that? Amen. Isn't God good? Isn't his word wonderful? Let's stand together and let's just give God the praise and glory and thanksgiving for all things here this morning. God bless you. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for these good people. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful presence, your spirit, your wonderful love for us all. We give you the praise and glory for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.